The West Coast has been hammered by severe weather as of late. So thank goodness basketball is an indoor sport because women's college basketball action has caught our attention and it is just getting started. The Pac-12 and more, we've got it covered and it all starts right now. Ogumba Wallet for the win. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Happy Monday, friends. It is January 23rd, 2023. I am Missy Heidrich, National Women's Basketball Correspondent at the next. Thank you for making Lockdown Women's Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. That is PrizePicks.com promo code Locked On. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching today. We are so happy to have you here. You can follow me, Missy Heydrich, at on Twitter, at Missy Heydrich. I also want you to make sure to follow this podcast at LockedOnWBB on Twitter. And go see us at The Next Hoops, www.thenexthoops.com. We have everything covered, college basketball and forward. But today, conference play is in full swing all across the country. And we are learning so much about teams. What is their identity? How do they deal with adversity? How well can they handle going on the road? Just to name a few. The Pac-12 continues to be one of the most competitive leagues in the nation this year. So we need to know, is there really anyone that can dethrone Stanford at the top? And who else out West is making some noise? And is that a bulldog bark I hear in the background? But to make it all down with me today is Michelle Smith, one of my amazing colleagues at the next longtime women's sports reporter and a current women's basketball AP voter. So let's get after it. Michelle, let's talk about Stanford right from the get-go because this is a team they had lost a week ago at USC. A multitude of streaks had been broken. And there's a bit of a regroup here. But they also continue to have to battle in a league where we have three teams from the Pac-12 in the top 10 in this week's AP poll. Talk to me a little bit about what you've seen from Stanford since that loss to USC and the win that they had 62-49 over the weekend against Colorado. What I saw from them this weekend was defense. Well, being comfortable at home, back to Maples Pavilion where they win a lot of games and they sort, you know, I mean, it's a pretty strong home court advantage, but I saw defense. I saw a commitment to making sure that teams couldn't score. Utah is a high-scoring team. They weren't going to be against Stanford. Colorado is a team as a physical team, and they've got some different weapons and things. And Stanford took them out of what they wanted to do. Stanford asserted their will on the defensive end this weekend. Um, I mean, there were, you know, Haley Jones had back-to-back double doubles, and the rebounding numbers were huge. Again, speaking to, you know, cutting off a team's ability for offensive rebounds and, you know, second chances and things. But her scoring numbers weren't huge. Cameron Brink had a nice weekend. Hannah Jump is just bombing threes from, you know, all over the place. But this was about, this weekend was about defense, and they did it. Um, So they reasserted themselves. You know, the big picture about dethroning Stanford, my thought is not in the aggregate. Nobody, yeah. Stanford's winning this league. 
Mm-hmm. Um, could another team get him between now and the Pac-12 tournament in a month or, you know, in a, five weeks or so? Maybe. Mm-hmm. And USC had a great game plan. The other thing to remember is Lindsey Gottlieb at USC has coached against Tara Vanderveer for a long time. Yes. She was coaching. She was coach at Cal, obviously. She was an assistant coach at Cal. She is a Tara disciple in terms of, you know, that she's modeled the way she approaches scouting teams and the taking away your best thing. And that Lindsay's very much like wanted to mirror what Tara does and she's good at it. And so I thought that was, you know, that was a big one for SC and it's not the worst thing in the world for Stanford to drop a conference game. I'm sure Tara Bandiver would tell you it gets their attention. All of a sudden people are paying attention again. All of a sudden, you know, you're not invincible and, you know, while the South Carolina lost, I mean, you know, you lose an overtime at home to the number one team in the country, you can roll through that. But this got their attention and they brought it defensively this weekend. You talk about defense, just seven points allowed in the third quarter in that win against Colorado, who still stays in the AP top 25 at number 25. So there are five teams from the Pac-12 in this week's poll, as we said, three in the top 10. The one thing that also stood out to me, though, which I thought was interesting, I know there had been a point guard injury for Stanford uh, last week. Mm -hmm. But when you look at the box score, Coach Vandiver not using a lot of her bench, her bench right now. I mean, it's pretty heavy minutes. I think Fran Belibi played about 15 against Colorado, and that was the only other player in double figures other than the starting five. Mm-hmm. Does that short rotation, is that something you think that they stay with? Is it just a matter of fact because of that injury? Or is this now, hey, we're going to go with the ones, kind of you dance with the one that brung you? I think it depends. I think it's going to depend on the game. And that's the beauty of the depth she has and the number of different folks at different positions that she has, that she can decide on a given game. I'm going to go heavily with my starting five today because I think that's the best group I have a chance to win. But if I'm playing somebody else and I have a chance to get, you know, Emanopu in, or I have a chance to put um, Brooke Dimitri in for a large amount of minutes or whatever, like she's got bodies. And so I think it's I think it's situational. And I think yesterday situationally provided that people stayed out of foul trouble, you know, that Cameron yeah. stayed out of foul trouble. I mean, Fran Belibi came in. Fran's minutes haven't been as big as they've been the previous couple of years because now you've got Lauren Betts there and you've got, um, you know, Ashton Prechtel's coming in and playing more post. She's not hitting her shots. So we're seeing her minutes go down a little bit because she's got to hit shots to stay in the game. Yeah. Um, but Tara's got this luxury of deciding on any given day what kind of rotation she wants. So no, I wouldn't bet that this is going to be permanent. I would think that, you know, it depends on the day, it depends on the game. It depends on a lot of things and how many coaches in the country can say, I'll decide how many people I want to play, you know, <laughs> based on what happens that day, as opposed to these are the people I have who can play today. Right. So um, yeah. yeah, it's, it's for her. I think she's just, she's making choices. Yeah, that's game plan, and that is, you're absolutely right. And that's kind of moving the chess pieces to exactly where you need them to go. Two other teams ranked in the top 10, I think, that continue to kind of move their chess pieces around. Interestingly enough, switch spots in this week's mm-hmm. poll. You have um, UCLA that comes in at 8. They were 9 last week. U- Utah was 8. They're 9 this week. Let's talk about Utah first. Um, everybody knows this is high-scoring shoot a lot of threes, we are going to do, I mean, it is offense, offense, offense at Utah. That can come back to bite you if you can't get people stopped. But it seems to me that they have done this at a consistent enough level 
that it still is becoming very difficult for people in the Pac-12 to get them stopped. What did you think about Utah's week last week? What do they look forward as they go ahead in the next? Well, I mean, I think they had the misfortune, frankly, of playing Stanford after a loss to USC. And so Stanford was going to be ultra focused. I think what was, you know, I think Lynn Roberts said, hell hath no fury than Tar after a loss, right? Like, so there was a little of that, like Utah got the kind of the tough end of that. And Stanford really held them down again with a really good defensive effort. And then they went and beat Cal by 25. And Cal's been playing some tough teams tough. Mm -hmm. Cal is waiting not pay patiently, I'm sure, to get over that hump and get a win that they really, really need. Um, but they're better. They're playing better. They're playing tough teams tough. And Utah handled them. So I think that that was the answer to, all right, we lost at Stanford, but we're not going to let that carry over and go underwhelm at Berkeley, right? We're going to come out and we're going to play well. And they did that. Um, but I think, you know, those offensive numbers, they're going to come down because once you get into conference play and everybody's familiar with you and what you do and they're your, you know, they're the people that you see all the time and they know what you run and they know your personnel and maybe some of your personnel used to be on their team because we know <laughs> that that's how the world works, right? So, you know, I think that those offensive numbers were going to come down for Utah, but I still like what they do. And I still understand that that mountain trip now with both of those teams playing well is such a difficult trip in the Pac-12 now. It's mm-hmm. two games at altitude. It's two plane flights because you don't go, you know, You go from Salt Lake City to, you know, Boulder or vice versa. Like, it's such a difficult trip now. And I think that they're really benefiting from that. Yeah, it is grueling. And you look at what Utah was able to do this week in beating Cal. 50, they bounced back from that loss um, to Stanford. 53% from the floor for the game. They go 11 of 23 from three. Those are tough numbers. You know that that's going to be at the top of the scouting report for everybody in this conference is, Mm -hmm. hey, we've got to defend them at the three-point line, force them off there, make them put it on the floor, do some other things. But if they can get shots like that and knock them down, they become very difficult to beat, in my opinion. Another team that is finding a way to get balanced scoring, which at this time of year, as people get worn down, kids are tired, it's the travel, all of that. Mm-hmm. UCLA, they get a win, 73-66 over Washington State, five players and double figures. Kiki Rice, the freshman, she continues to shine, but it's that team effort, seems to me, that really is starting to gel for UCLA finding a unit of five on the floor and others that can come in and give them some time. Yeah. They're getting, they're getting more contributions. They're getting, you know, they've got Izzy Ansi who can play some minutes. Now they've got Lena Sontag who is that Corey Close is so high on in terms of her ability, but she's a freshman. She had some injury, injury, injury issues. Say that fast, that kept her, her practice time limited, but she's getting more reps now and it's starting to show up. You got Lennon Jones is hitting threes. You've got Gina Conti is a, you know, she's a 23 year old senior who waited and watched last year and probably got a lot out of that. We always say, you know, it's very cliche to talk to those who sit on the bench with an injury and talk about what they learned from the bench. But when you're, you know, when you're a fifth year senior and you've seen a lot of basketball and you obviously you learn more about how to look at film, how to watch what you're seeing on the floor to have her running their offense and have her sort of picking up that pace. Like UCLA is playing really well. That was a tough trip again. If, if you know, we know our, you know, our Pac-12 trip. So the mountain trip is tough and the Washington trip is tough. Again, because it's two flights, because it's two different cities, because it's not, you know, there's just, you've got to go, you know, you got to go from Washington, you got to go from Seattle to Pullman in the winter, right? And so those aren't easy trips. And 
Washington's playing better. Washington State really needed a win, and UCLA hung in and they won both games. And so that's toughness on the road. Um, and then they're going to go to the mountain schools next. So bless them. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, there's no easy, there are no easy weekends in the Pac 12. There's not a one. No. And I think that's what makes it one of the most competitive leagues and why we see five teams right now ranked in the top 25. Okay. We've talked about Stanford, Utah, UCLA at the top, but who else is hot and who also might not be so hot. And we're going to do that in just a moment. But first I want to tell everybody that today's episodes are brought to you by our friends at Price Picks. So how does it work? Well, you go to Price Picks and you pick two to six players in whatever sport you're after. If they will go score more or less than their prize picks projections and you can win up to 25% your money on 25 times your money, excuse me, on any entry, no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections prize picks offers projections on any sport that you watch includes NBA, NFL, NHL, college basketball, women's college, basketball, soccer, you name it, they've got it. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy, safe and fast withdrawals, and it is currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. So download the Prize Picks app and go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive up to 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you 100. If you deposit 50, Prize Picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code Locked On at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Hi, everyone. I am Missy Heydrich, and thank you for making Lockdown Women's Basketball your first listen today. I am joined by Michelle Smith, longtime women's basketball journalist and current AP voter. Michelle, let's talk a little bit about where everyone else sits in the Pac-12. There's a lot of action. We know this is a stacked conference. Stanford sits at 7-1. and one. There are three teams at 6-2. and two. Arizona UC, and USC sit at 5-3, and three, Oregon at 4-4. Four and four. They just dropped out of the top 25. What stands out to you as you look at some of these other teams? And I think USC, to me, mm-hmm. kind of seems as though they might be finding their groove just a little bit more. You mentioned earlier Lindsey Gottlieb and her experience in the Pac-12 prior at Cal. Mm-hmm. I think that seems to be so important. But what stands out to you maybe about what UC, USC is doing now that they weren't doing earlier in the year or even a year ago? Yeah, I mean, you know, this is a team with eight new players. And I think that it takes a little time, if you're talking about earlier in the year, for folks to come together. Uh Sissoko is back on the floor. She missed a few games. She didn't even play in the Stanford game and she's their leading scorer and she didn't play in that game and they won anyway. They are putting it together, right? They're finally putting, bring this group of newcomers and freshmen and folks together and playing in a really purposeful way, which is Lindsay Gottlieb's hallmark. So, you know, they are 15 and four, you know, they win in overtime at Washington. That's a tough win. They win against Washington state. They've got the best 19 game start they've got going since 93, 94. And they've got, you know, they're five and three. Um, you know, this is a team that's going to hang around. I picked them as a dark horse team because I know what a good coach Lindsay is. And I knew that once those team, once you start putting those pieces together, once folks get used to playing together, that it comes together really, really quickly. So I think team, USC's team, nobody wants to play right now. Nobody's going to want to play them in the Pac-12 tournament. And they're building an NCAA resume. And that's, you know, 
And that isn't something that people necessarily would have expected, but I think they were sort of on that periphery. And I think they're moving from the periphery up into the top half of the conference. And so they're playing really well. And then I want to talk about kind of like the yin yang here is what's going on at Washington state. Yeah. So, you know, Washington state starts 0 and 3 and Charlize Ledger Walker, who's the conference leading scorer, has to fly home to New Zealand from Pullman. Can you imagine um, trying to get from there to here and back? And so for, to deal with a family thing, she is misses a couple games. They lose them both. They get her back. They win three straight. She's gone again this weekend. She had to go back to New Zealand. She's back to see, be with her family. I'm not sure how long she's going to be gone, but they dropped both the games again this weekend. So my question is, how's the committee going to look at this with a team that um, is going to be a bubble team? And are they going to look at that as like an injury and she's missing and give them a little more credit? Or is the fact that, you know, they're, they've lost these four games. We don't know when she's going to be back. Again, it's a long, long trip from New Zealand to Pullman. You know, is this going to cost them? And how much is it going to cost them? Could it cost them an NCAA tournament berth, being without her for, you know, these four games at least and maybe a little bit more? Because she clearly is the offensive. Um, she's the offensive go-to player. You want players ready to step up but she's a conference leading scorer and you don't just, she's not, that's not a widget situation. You don't just plug somebody else in and ask them to do that for your team. So I'm concerned about what's going on at Washington state, just in the sense that, you know, I think that, you know, being without her is really costly for them, but is it going to be costly in a month and a half? Well, and I think you're absolutely right because we can talk about the number of points that a person has. So if she's going to leave this league and score, you know that that is a bucket. That is a, a large amount that you have to figure out a place, a way to replace or get close to. Maybe it's by committee. But I also think that there, it's just as if with a player that goes out with an injury that misses significant time, it then is how other teams are going to guard you. How other teams are going to play you with that player on the floor or without. Also, some of the intangibles. Is this a person um, who you're missing that is an, a great rebounder as well as a scorer? Are they a facilitator? Are they somebody that runs the show and gets seven, eight assists at a time? Are they the do-all person who's going to get you three charges and score 20 points? That's hard to necessarily put a quantitative number to. I think you raise an interesting question because this is part of what we're starting to see in college athletics in general is a lot of international players coming to the U S mm -hmm. and playing basketball, playing soccer, volleyball, whatever it is here. And they, there are going to be those situations. There's going to be those times where they maybe have to leave or aren't available. Mm -hmm. How does the committee look at that? And, and is, and when we think about the criteria Nets a big part of that numbers are all it's a numbers game, but there are also other criteria that they look at and where does that fit in? And I think you're right. Washington state, there's no easy games on this schedule. Mm -hmm. So where and how do they react? Right. And, you know, is a, you know, if they can rally up in the second half, you know, and they've got, and they can get to 500 in the pac 12, I think that's good enough if you've got a good overall record to get you serious tournament consideration or not, if not into the field. Right. But mm -hmm. at three and five, how much longer is she going to be gone? We don't know the answer to that. It's just, it's a tough situation for Washington state because that program is been to the NCAA tournament two years in a row. Yeah. Thanks largely to Charlize Ledger Walker. Yes. And, um, and they're building, you know, they're trying to build this program programmatic momentum, right. As a program, they want to be in the tournament or be, in the position to be in the tournament every year. And, you know, this is, um, this isn't something they saw coming. And so, 
you know, they're going to have to deal with the consequences of this, whatever it is. And in the short term, it's not being able to win game with it, win games without her. Yeah. And trying right. to figure and trying to find an answer and figure out that what that looks like that sometimes just comes down to practice and preparation. And as you said, sometimes other people have to step up. Who is that going to be for right. Washington state? I, we, one other team I wanted to talk to you about a little bit more is Arizona. They come in this week. They sit at number 19 in the polls. That number didn't move for them. They get a win at Arizona State, that rivalry game, 80-67. to 67. They had five in double figures. Actually, one of their transfers, Esmeri Martinez, who I'm familiar with, played a couple years at West Virginia. She has a double-double in that game. What strikes you about Arizona, sort of where they sit, sometimes not always part of the conversation because they're not one of the three teams ranked in the top 10 in the country, but I don't feel like anyone can overlook Arizona at any point in time. Well, I mean, you know, they've got right now the best home court in the, in the conference, right? Mikhail Adia has done a ridiculous job of marketing that team and doing a lot of that work herself and getting that place full. And they're super passionate about it and they want to see the women's team do well. Um, and they're a tough out, but they're also, sometimes they, they confound me a little bit, right? Like there's games that I say, well, this is a win that Arizona should come away with. And, you know, and sometimes they don't, I mean, if I go, I'm going to do a quick click on the schedule, but there's a couple of games where I go, that was winnable. You know, they went and they beat the heck out of Baylor and that's awesome. And then, you know, I don't know, they lost to Colorado and Colorado wasn't ranked and that was not a great, you know, that's not a great loss for them. And then they lost to Utah. Yeah. And, you know, so you've got an opportunity against a team that's on the edge of the rankings and a team that's in the rankings to go on the road and show your toughness on the road and win one. And they come home after getting swept and beating Arizona State in the rivalry game is never not going to be a big deal. But watch, but Arizona State is the, you know, it's the worst team in the Pac-12 right now. Yeah. Um, and I love Natasha Dare and I hope she gets it going, but we're they're not there yet. And no. so now they're going to go, they're going to be at home against Washington and Washington state. Washington state's going to be pretty desperate. Washington's looking for a big win. Um, you know, and then at UCLA, USC, Stanford, Cal, Utah, Colorado, Oregon, Oregon state, like that's their closing. That's where we are in the PAC 12. That's yeah. your closing flourish, right? Yes. So Arizona needs to collect some big wins Yeah. and um, it's getting to be time. So, you know, I mean, that's, you know, Arizona is just a tough one for me to figure out. I want, I want to see momentum. I want to see big wins. Um, thought that mountain trip was tough to come away getting swept. Yeah. Coming out of that empty handed is difficult than having a week off and playing at Arizona state where yet, yes, you go on the road, you get a PAC 12 win on the road, a team that hasn't won a game yet in the, in the league in Arizona state. But I almost thought I would have thought that would have been more than a 13 point victory just looking mm-hmm. at their lineup, looking what kind of firepower this Arizona team has, that that there's going to have to be a little bit more sense of urgency, especially, as you said, they hit this rest of the flourish into the Pac-12 finish. It's a brutal finish. It's a and brutal it's, finish. It's a brutal finish. Um, yeah. You're going to have ranked team every weekend. Yeah. And at least one. Yeah. And so, you know, you're going to, you know, and in some cases too. So it's going to be, it's Arizona's going to have to stand it up. And I, it's not that they're playing badly. I just, you know, they're just, they need some, they need to put some big wins together. Yeah. Well, one of, uh, had a broadcast over the weekend and we said that the word of the week was consistency. And I think that might speak volumes to a lot of people all over the country. All right. When we come back, some of the best women's basketball in the Western part of the U.S. is not just in the Pac-12. Gonzaga and UNLV, they are having their way in the West Coast Conference and Mountain West, respectively. 
We are going to dig into that in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you guys all about one of our newest sponsors here at the Lockdown Network, and that is FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are here, and we are really excited about our new sports betting partner for Lockdown because they are the number one sports book in America. FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers, join today and get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel has all of your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. Now, the NFL playoffs, the division, the conference championship games are coming next weekend. I live in Kansas City, there, so I have to tell you, everybody's talking about Kansas City Bengals. As of today, right out of the gate, nobody knows for sure about Patrick Mahomes' ankle, so it's a plus 1.5 for the Bengals. And my friend Michelle, who is on today with me, she's out in San Francisco, and they are plus 2.5 line as of today. We will see where this goes. But it is all on app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets. Win or lose at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Hi, everyone. I am Missy Heydrich, and Michelle Smith is with me. With me, Thank you so much for being with us here on Lockdown Women's Basketball. All right, we've been talking about the Pac-12, but there's so much more going on on that part of the country, and Michelle's one of the best to be able to help us um, get our hands around it, not only because she's a voter, she sees things from different perspective when you talk about the AP, but I've always been intrigued. It's been many years. We've all been watching the BYU-Gonzaga kind of battle, right? We've seen this oh, in the West Coast Conference for many years. These two teams kind of going at it, sometimes both getting in the NCAA tournament, but sometimes just one. It just all depended on their overall resumes. Gonzaga has, um, they have really positioned themselves now as, I think, um, the best mid-major program if we want to use that in in the west and i i like what this team has done where they sit um it seems to me as they've won 12 straight 17 and 2 overall 9 and 0 in conference their only losses to marquette in november that was neutral site they were in the bahamas and then they lost to stanford in december this gonzaga team is stacked and seem to really don't have anyone in their in their way right now to give them a clear path to WCC championship and positioning themselves maybe to move up into one of those top 16. Yeah, they're Gonzaga is I mean we talked to you brought up that consistency word right and Gonzaga has cracked the nut on consistency from a program perspective right they're just there that they're in that discussion every year they are um, you know, it's hard in the West Coast Conference because Gonzaga is going to rule day. And if something happens weird in the West Coast Conference tournament, you know, it's it, it, somebody doesn't get in. Or I mean, there have been years where Gonzaga didn't get in because they didn't have the resume. They have the resume now. Right. So yeah. they're at a 38 net. Just want to check in on the net rankings. That was as of yesterday. And I know that changes. Um, but they've got so Brenna Maxwell transferred from Utah um, as a fifth year as a grad transfer. Mm-hmm. And she leads the country in three-point percentage. She's at 53.3. They've got, you know, Yvonne Ejim, who's got seven games where she's got at least 20 points. They've got 
you know, Kalen Trong, who's got double figures for 11 straight games. Like they have talent and they are playing well together and 12 straight wins. So, you know, Gonzaga is going to be, they want, it'd be great if they got a host seed. Spokane loves women's basketball. We've been up to Spokane a million times for um, regionals and things. I mean, Spokane is a women's basketball town. And so if they could host, that would be a huge step for them. Um, I still see them with that net, maybe falling just out of that. You know, you want to be, you don't want to be, I don't know, you don't want to be five, six, seven, eight in this tournament. No. No. Um, but, you know, but I think they have a shot at, at a host seat. So I, you know, and I think they're going to run through the rest of this conference. There isn't anybody, I think, that looks like they're going to be, you know, that's going to stand between them and that. And so they're going to come in with a gaudy record and hopefully a few more spots up in the net and we'll see if they can host. No, absolutely. Number 17 in the country right now in that AP poll. And you talked about those three young ladies at the top in conference game only. They've got a senior, junior, senior as their top three scores. But mm -hmm. some of the numbers are fantastic. And I also look at what this team has been able to do to defend and to rebound the basketball. And that's how you can win games. You know, defense does win you games. You've got to be able to shoot and you've got to be able to score. But ultimately, you've got to be able to defend. And one another team out there that has drawn, I think, your interest and piqued the interest of a lot of others around the country right now is UNLV doing the same thing, averaging almost 75 points a game in conference play, giving up just 63. They are looking at almost six steals a game, playing good defense, defending people at the three-point line. But this UNLV team also 19 and 2, 9 and 0 in the Mountain West. They've run off 10 straight wins after two losses in December. This UNLV squad, it seems to me like they're kind of putting together a little bit of a homegrown feel that is winning a lot of basketball games. Yeah, let's talk about UNLV. I mean, it excites me to talk about that because we talk about Gonzaga being sort of the mid-major class of the West, right? But I think UNLV wants a piece of that. Um, so UNLV, UNLV's head coach is Lindy LaRock. Lindy LaRock played at Stanford for Tara. Lindy LaRock's reputation at, at Stanford as a player was scrappy, on the floor. I mean, you know, you can go back and you can Google it, but, you know, making a pass while laying on her back on the floor in a rivalry game against Cal was like, I mean, like Lindy LaRock has like, you know, Stanford cred, Stanford hustle. She coached with Antara's staff and then she moved over and Vegas is her hometown. Yeah. And her dad is a well-established basketball coach in Las Vegas. And so she's got this sort of hometown story. She's recruited some hometown kids. Mm -hmm. uh, Lindy had a baby in November and she was back with the team eight days later, not advocating, just saying this is girls. <laughs> that she's a, she's a gamer. Yeah. Um, and you know, so, but she's, so she's got a new baby that's traveling with them and she's got, Lots going on, but they're putting together a really good season. They're like 59 in the net right now. And I will tell you that I threw them a boat mm -hmm. in the AP poll because I think that they're what they did this weekend. They went up again. And when we talk about our tough trips in the winter, they went to Wyoming and Colorado State and they swept that, you know, and they swept and they yeah. beat a team that was the second place team in Colorado State. And they won in Wyoming for the first time in eons. And, you know, so they're really, really putting it together. That team went to the NCAA tournament last year. They played at Arizona. They played, you know, they played at McHale and, you know, at Arizona and they played them great. Um, you know, and that was a tough first draw, but, you know, fun to see them, you know, go to UNLV and they've got, you know, local kids. And so, you know, they've got um, Essence Booker had 25 and 10 against Colorado State. You know, Desiree Young is she had 11 and 12 against Colorado state. I mean, I'm pulling up yesterday's numbers, mm -hmm. but she's got a couple of good players to build around in this really sort of local vibe. 
goes a long way um, in getting that community really excited about women's basketball too. And, you know, when you've got a homegrown coach, homegrown kids, and a team that's suddenly playing really well. And by the way, you host your conference tournament in your hometown. Yes. That doesn't hurt. So, no. you know, I like what's going on at UNLV a lot. Yeah, it's hard not to. And I think more people are taking notice. As you said, you gave them a vote in your polls. As the as the numbers play out, they do receive one vote in this week's AP Top 25, which I think is absolutely deserving. And, and that really is when... I, I the one thing that strikes me about this, and it doesn't happen that much anymore, but with Coach LaRoque and the fact that she is a Las Vegas native, that she played high school ball there, there's a talent pool in that part of the country, and she's tapping into it. You've got Justice Etheridge, who is a senior. She's from mm -hmm. Las Vegas area. Desiree Young, a junior. Mm -hmm. She's a Vegas native. Essence Booker is a transfer from Ball State. So you're mm -hmm. using a little bit of portal yes. with what I've got just in my backyard. And that makes a big difference. And if I was part of the Mountain West, you know, no one has been able to knock them off yet. They are 9-0. I don't think I would be real excited. I mean, Vegas is a fun place to go. But knowing what that crowd could be like and generating yeah. that excitement, that Mountain West tournament becomes a really, really difficult task for everybody else because it's going to feel like like a home court advantage for UNLV. Yeah. And I think it's, it's just, it's, you're watching it build, right? So two years ago, or so this is her, this is um, Lindy's third year. So three years ago, honestly, her claim to fame was that she took Stanford in and set, and they had basically let them use all their facilities during that COVID right. run, the year that Stanford won the national championship, when Stanford spent nine weeks on the road or whatever, they spent a lot of that time in Las Vegas using facilities at UNLV because Lindy, you know, opened the door for Stanford, had him come in. They played them at one point, whatever. And then next year they go to the tournament. The second year there, she's there, she goes to the tournament. This year they're in a position to win the conference and go to the tournament. Like she's building something mm -hmm. in a spot where, you know, I think it could be, you know, I just think the community will love it. And I want to see, love to see basketball get better in places that's way that, that are waiting for it, that have an appetite for it. And, you know, and I think Las Vegas is going to be a place, you know, that's a burgeoning, the aces, you know, they've got the Las Vegas aces. There's a burgeoning women's basketball community, I think in Las Vegas and what Lindy's doing at UNLV is, you know, perfectly timed. Absolutely. All right. Before I let you go, what out of this week's AP top 25 poll as a voter, uh, what do you take out of it? What struck you as interesting? Was there any surprises that came up when those numbers were finally tallied? No big surprises. There were a lot of people, you know, you get those weeks where everybody lost and you're trying to figure out the puzzle and you have those weeks where most people won and you're trying to figure out the puzzle. Um, and today, this week, I didn't find too much of a puzzle. I'm still trying to figure out where to put LSU. Like I, Angel Reese is playing amazing basketball, yeah. but I'm still a little bit trying to figure out where to put LSU. Um, I moved Stanford back up. I gave them their two spot back. I did in my poll this week because they beat two ranked teams um, this weekend. And I thought that, and I was, I thought that, you know, I'm not thought that they being penalized for one loss against USC, albeit unranked. I looked, I'm watching who's receiving votes. I'm watching SC get 22 votes. And so I think that they're with another good weekend, they're this close to being in the poll. Right. Um, you know, watching Oregon drop out because, you know, Oregon State and Oregon that, you know, that's a tough loss for them. They need to find their consistency yeah. um, at four and four. But, you know, just kind of keeping an eye on what's going on in that top 10. Mm -hmm. And but it's it just seems to be a lot of shifting at this point. 
Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And a couple first-timers back into the poll. Florida State in at 24, the first time since 2021 mm-hmm. out of the ACC. And Middle Tennessee State, six at 16-2 and two right now. Their first time in nine years they are back in the AP Top 25 poll. You like to see that. I think it talks about parity. It talks about competitiveness. Yeah. And sometimes those are the people that you do not want to see in your bracket come March. Yes, indeed. <laughs> All right. Uh, Michelle Smith, where does everybody find you? And of course, I need your prediction for the 49ers game coming up this weekend. Oh, boy. Okay. I'm going to start with find me. Um, you find me on Twitter at MaxSmith413. You will find me at Pac12.com during the week and you will find me on the next. So um, just trying to keep the West Coast love, spreading it out all over as far as I can. Um, all right. Football. Hmm. <laughs> I think it's going to be a tough game. I think yeah. it's going to be, I think the Niners are going to win. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, and I'm not a big homer. I'm, you know, I'm a sports writer that they, the homerism hopefully gets uh, crushed out of you a little bit, but I think the Niners are going to win this game. Yeah. Well, Brock Purdy is a fantastic story. And I think we are going to have an awesome display of quarterbacks over the course of those two games. And it makes the Super Bowl, whoever gets there, even more fun. So I know everyone will be looking forward to it. Michelle, thank you so much. I really love having you here because you are so knowledgeable and have all sorts of info and insight. And that's what we try to bring to everybody here at Lockdown Women's Basketball all the time. You can find me at Missy Hydrick on Twitter and all of my amazing colleagues. Do not forget to go to the next hoops.com and this podcast. You can find us on Twitter at locked on WBB. Please join me here on Mondays. We talk everything about college hoops and then come back this week for more episodes. It's more college basketball news and notes, international basketball, and those two words across the WNBA that everyone is talking about free agency and the craziness that is ahead. We have got you covered at Locked On. Thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen today. Now make your second listen, Game to Game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game NBA covers every game from across your area with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game NBA on the Locked On Network, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you next week and all week here at Locked on Women's Basketball. We've got you covered.